It is 2020. Man, what a time to be alive. Isn't it? Uh, Hi, I'm George Techmanchov here with Steve the Big Cat Anderson for episode number 81 of the Eastern Target podcast, which we started four years ago. Should we have, you know, started calling these like episode, uh, it's like season 2020, episode one? Yeah, or season three, I guess, is or season four, actually. But, you know, we, we, we lost that opportunity. We can't do that, though, because archery season starts in like the fall. Right, for certain like, types of archery. Yeah, like indoor archery, fall, November. That's when the season starts. How was your new year? It's great. Nice. Did you yeah. go anywhere? No. Nope. Went to San Diego. Nice. It was. Yeah. What yeah. did you do down there? Where did you go? Where did you stay? Uh, I hung out with a bunch of airplanes in the deck of the USS Midway. I think I saw that. Yeah. 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 And uh, I just did some other stuff, you know. Where'd you stay? Stayed on the waterfront. Nice. You know. Yeah. Huh. Nice cardboard box. No, it's just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite, what's your favorite place, favorite area of San Diego? Well, having lived there, um, you know, my, my problem was when I lived there, I never did any of the touristy stuff, right? I always was, you know, either at work or at the Olympic Training Center. Mm -hmm. So given that that answer, I would say Mount Palomar on a sport bike. I don't even know where that is. That's just to the north. It's Say north, like north of downtown, North County, right? North County. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I mean, you know, the, the beaches are great. Everything about San Diego is great. I went there once when I was about 23. Yeah. To Pacific Beach. Oh, yeah. PB great is spot great. when you're 23. Sure. Um, later on, I've come to like La Jolla. La Jolla, La Jolla is, is definitely nice. one of the nicer places. A little yeah. expensive to uh, own something there, but it's a nice place. Not a little expensive. A lot. It's a little expensive. Um also, I mean, you got to like Coronado Island. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Coronado's SEALs. great. You, it's cool to think that there's a Navy SEAL rolling in the sand not far from you. When several you're in Coronado. Them, yeah. yeah, they're just getting blasted with a fire hose and then rolling in the sand and <laughs> picking up a boat and putting it down. Those are great guys. First time I ran into them, we had the uh, Youth World Championship in San Diego back in 1996, and we had a platoon of SEALs come out to help out moving targets and stuff like that just be cool it was very cool they were great <laughs> you, you guys had navy seals moving targets mm -hmm. i think you could find like i don't know some inmates or something anyway later on i got to shoot with those guys you know <laughs> and that was cool too bows or guns guns yeah yeah navy seals yeah they rock think of how i mean i don't even know how many navy seals we have but most other countries in fact all other countries have zero navy seals no, but they all have their own version of a Navy SEAL. Yeah, but they're not a Navy SEAL. Well, we like to think that here. But, you know, I'm, the Italians, they're very proud of the Incusati. Yeah. And you have GSG-9 in Germany. And you have, I mean, every, every the SAS. The guys who killed, or killed, saved the, the kids in the Thailand cave. They were SEALs, right? From the Thai Thai Navy. SEALs, yeah. 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 So. Legit. They were legit. So anyway, 2020, a momentous year ahead we've got a ton of stuff ahead and we'll be talking about that in future podcasts as we go because we could just spend the rest of the podcast talking about what's coming up and probably lose half the listeners but what were we uh, you know like some of the articles lately have been like what you know blah 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 of the decade blah blah oh yeah blah. oh yeah what would you say was your archery moment of the decade ojin hyuk winning the gold medal at the olympic games yeah that could be one because of the korea 
men had first time the Korean men had won. That, yeah, huh? yeah. And and you know, on a personal yeah. level, he's a friend of mine, and yeah. So is Furukawa, and so I had two pretty good personal friends out there on the field of play, mm-hmm. duking it out. You know, and um, you know, I I mean they they were hanging out with each other socially before the match mm-hmm. under the stadium. You know, just kind of. You know, just uh, hanging out and um, just good people, you know? Yeah, good guys. Ojin Hook's very likable. Very likable guy. He's a very likable guy. Even he without was, ever really talking to him. just You can just look at him and be like, I like that guy. He's the first person to have sent me a Happy New Year text this year. Hmm. Well, he had the time advantage. He did have the time advantage, but he was the first person to think of doing it. And I thought that was pretty nice. You know, I'm not a big text everyone guy. Or, no, uh, I'm not either, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I I uh, I get the holiday text, you know, and I always respond. Oh, I yeah. try to respond friendly, but I never am initiating him. No, maybe, not that's, t- maybe I'm a bad person. I sent one to my sister because it's her birthday. Happens I think you sent to one to me. I sent one to you. Yeah. Yeah. Your sister was born on New Year's? Yeah, which irritated my father to no end because he didn't get the tax advantage of having her in the household, <laughs> you know, from the previous year. Right. So, uh, yeah, that, uh, yeah, my baby sister uh, is a New Year's baby. So that uh, that makes for a tough Christmas, you know. You got you to gotta come up with a Christmas present and a, and a birthday present within five days. <laughs> yeah, Celinda's birthday, January 2nd. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, whether the people listening know this or not, we are recording today on January 2nd. So it's you took time out to do the podcast in spite of the fact that it's Linda's birthday. Is she here? No, it's a work day, so oh, I was okay. working. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. Is, she, is she in town? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So. Did you go to Mexico for uh, Christmas at all? Or? No. Mexico came here. Nice. Yeah, Linda's family came here. <clears throat> wow. So, yeah, it's a good time. Sounds like it. Yeah, one of her brother, her her brother-in-law, and her sister live in Texas now, and uh, he manages a shop, point blank, in McAllen, Texas. I heard that's a rock and archery area. Um, yeah, I think he's got he's done a lot for it too. I want to, you know, from my understanding, the sales rep tells me, same Chapoy says, man, Chapoy is total monster. Yeah, all right, cool, very cool. So yeah, they they uh, it's a good part of Texas. You know, I think there's good money there and uh, a lot of people, you know, want to do hobby sports like archery. So. Yeah, archery and Texas get mm-hmm. along just fine. Yep. So. I think Texas might be our fourth biggest podcast listener state. A lot of people. California's number one, New York's number two. Hmm. So you'd say Ojin Hyuk. I would say, uh, I would say if Kim Woo Jin had won, It'd be the moment. Oh, it would have been epic. Seven hundred, then a win, but because he called it, the fact that he called it in May and then did it at yeah. the Olympics—that yeah. was big for That's me. That's impressive. It was big for me. Another big one, I think, was Mikey Schlusser's perfect score. Yeah, that the time he did that—that that was such a big deal, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's hard to. It's almost hard to put a qualification round in as the moment of the decade, but he did it. Another one would be Sergio winning Vegas, the year of the 50th anniversary and the, yeah. the chariot ride. <laughs> lucky dog. Sergio Pani and the lucky dog coming through the line to win Vegas and then uh, taking the chariot, the flaming chariot ride. Mm-hmm. That was quite a moment. Yeah. 
Hmm. Well, moving on. All right. <laughs> Speaking of uh, what's going on now, we've got the World Indoor Cup in high swing right now, and some friends of ours are uh, positioned fairly highly in the standings in this uh, in this endeavor. We've had a number of stages complete. Uh, you know, with Neem coming up, and uh, we've got uh, Sydney coming up, and then Vegas, of course. Yeah. And we've already shot Macau and Luxembourg and Rome. Those are all, I mean, besides Neem, those are all 250-point events, right? Correct. They yeah. haven't, it, it, we've never contested a 500-point event. Not so far, and I don't think there are any in the, the way the calendar has set up the no. last uh, two events. Neem and Vegas are 1,000-pointers. Sydney's a 250. It's it's weird. I yeah, it's I think they're they're playing with adjusting stuff, but so Crispin Duenas, of all people, is number one. Now, Crispin's a solid indoor shooter. Crispin shot both he won Luxembourg. Yeah. And then he shot at Rome. I want to say he did pretty well. He did well, yeah. So Crispin, uh number one. Uh Marco Galeazzo is second after uh after Rome. Uh Ko Dusol of Korea is uh, tied with Marco. Uh, Willem Bakker is uh, fourth. Brady Willem. Ellison. Brady is fifth. Willem is from Netherlands. Young lad. He's going to be, Up and coming be guy. a good shooter. Yeah. Yep. It's amazing how consistently the Netherlands has cranked out, you know, really consistently yeah. for the last 15 years now. I got to know him at uh, World Field 20. 20- Whenever we were, 2018. Cortina? Know. Yeah. 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 He was uh, He was in our hotel. Had a lot of fun. Nice. Yeah. Good kid. Brady is uh, fifth. Brady is uh, back at it today. He was posting on his Instagram, you know, a time lapse of his of his round. So he's shooting well. Uh, Lee Jong-young of Korea was uh, tied with fifth, uh, tied with Brady for fifth right now. Dave Barnes, Barnesy from... From Australia. From Australia, from the 04 Olympic team. He uh, is seventh right now. Florian Collant of Germany is tied with uh, Dave. Our own Jack Williams is also tied for seventh place. Hmm. How about in the uh, the women's? So for the recurve, predictably enough, uh, we've got uh, Kang, the destroyer, shooting uh, on the Shibuya recurve team. Did you know you could mm. register? You could you could pay your money and register a club team. Yeah, and they actually pay out for that. Right, a decent amount. Right. So Miss Kang uh, is uh, representing with a two hundred fifty point uh, number on the board for herself right now. Kim Yong Kyung also tied for first. Actually, it's a three way tie. Pak Seon Jin. So three Korean ladies tied for first. Then Gabby Bayardo who's shooting for Netherlands now, mm-hmm. used to be shooting for Mexico. The Olympic archer from Mexico, now Netherlands, is fourth. Uh, Chang Hai Jin of Korea is fifth. So there's three, four out of five of the top shooters from Korea. Tatiana Andreoli is fifth. We've got another Korean uh, tied for fifth with uh, Tatiana, which is Ha Se-young. And then uh, Casey Koffold is tied for eighth with Chara Regbagliati, and Pak Sohi. I like that Kang the Destroyer shoots indoors. Yeah. A lot of the top Korean women, they don't shoot indoors. No, most don't, do it. most don't argue. Have you ever seen Kibo Bay shoot indoors? Yes, but uh, practice-wise, not... Mm. not uh, I never saw her compete indoors. Pretty sure she competed in Vegas a few years ago. Chang Hai Jin has done it. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mikey Schlusser uh, for the compound men is number one. And, um, you know, pretty commanding lead right now. He's got a 525 on his card. Yeah, I think he went to all three. Of, he yeah. went to Macau, Luxembourg. Yeah. yeah. And, and and did well in all of them. So, yeah. you know, that, that piles it up. Dave Cousins uh, coming off a win. Um, his first international win in, in almost a decade, in fact. The Cooge. Yeah. Dave is, uh, I'll tell you, I, I, Dave is shooting, by the way, for the uh, Shiboya team. And um, I, I, I'm expecting big things out of Dave. He's doing well. We got Chris Schaff, who's third right now. Stefan Hansen, the uh, two-time world champion. He's fourth right now. Mario Vavro is fifth. Uh, Valerio Della Stua is tied with Mario for fifth. Rio Wild is uh, seventh right now. He's ahead of Tate Morgan. Tate's number eight. Alexander Dombayev of Russia is number nine. And Stash Modic is tied with Alexander for the uh, for the compound men. Hmm. And then for the compound women, you've got uh, Sarah Preels up there in uh, first place. Right after her is Paige Pierce of the United States. Former... Recurve shooter from France, Sophie Dodimont, is third. She's got a tie with Andrea Robles from Spain. Andrea is uh, uh, tied with Sophie for fifth, or for third, rather. Amanda Milardnik uh, and Janine Meissner, fifth and sixth. Toya Ellison, Brady's wife, is seventh, and she's tied with Ella Gibson. USA's Alexis Ruiz is number nine. And Marcy Tonioli, world champion, Marcella Tonioli of Italy, number 10. And uh, speaking of Alexis Ruiz, she is on the short list of the current number one ranked world archers for 2019. They are Brady Ellison, Kang the Destroyer, Braden Galantine, and Alexis. And that means for the first time in eight years, three of the four top 10 shooters are from the same country. And the last time that happened, Brady Ellison was among them. And then you had... Um, I'm going to guess Rio. Nope. It was Roger Willett Roger. Jr. And, and let me guess Erica Jones. Erica Jones. Yeah. Exactly. Very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been after the dream season by Roger. Yes. Where he just won them all. He was awesome. Freak. That's hard to do in a game that is so dependent on, you know, luck of the draw and sure. conditions and things like that. Another one of the nicest people in the sport. Yeah. Super nice guy. Awesome guy. You know, he's he's on a short list with people like Chris and Barry. Chris and Barry's all right. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just all right. I, I don't think he listens, but so I'm we sure can, he doesn't. We can make fun of him. No, I mean, on a short list of, of the, if you had to pick the five nicest people in the sport of archery, Chris and Barry would be on there about four times. Yeah, I, I you know, it's like the, the whole, if you had to get stuck in an airport for 24 hours on a layover, who would you want to hang out with? Chris him? and Barry. Chris and Barry would be fine. He'd be right up there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, good stuff. Um, and my goodness, this season is going to be a firecracker with all the good stuff coming up with, you know, Tokyo Olympic Games and all that other stuff. And we'll... I can't believe of, it's here. Yeah, I know. Freak, it was year, like 2016 was yesterday. Feels like it. But it wasn't. I'm getting old fast. No, you're not. No, but Linda is. Huh? <laughs> she doesn't listen. I can say that. Only because today's You, you better hope she doesn't listen. That's all I'm going to say about that. Yeah, someone will tell her. Mm, yeah, maybe. If they, uh, you know, what they could do is they could blackmail you. They could hold it over you and threaten. I'll just know. tell her I said it. You're just going to fess <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, I'm not too concerned. 
I mentioned She'll earlier, probably laugh. I was right about Sydney. I just looked it up. It's 250 points for Sydney, yeah. and then you got 1,000 for Neiman. When is Sydney? Sydney is coming up on the 10th through the 12th, so it's right on top of, AT, of ATA show. A lot of, lot of stuff. There's, there's, archery's so segregated now. It's hard to keep up. Yeah, I mean, you, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not easy. By the way, the, um, the prize money for World Indoor Series just, you know, certainly doesn't make it worth going to all these events. Hmm. But it's a start, right? It's uh, first place is going to be 8,000 Swiss francs, which might as well be dollars. It's mm-hmm. almost on par. Second place, 4,000. Third place, 1,500. And that's in each category. And, um, you know, I, I think the rest of it's going to be stuff like sponsor contingencies, if any. You got to go and, I don't know. There's a, This is a tough way to make a living, though. Yeah. There's a reason I, I generally don't shoot the Indoor World Series stuff. It just doesn't... Uh, the time and commitment doesn't... And the, doesn't and the cost compute. doesn't compute, yeah. It's some hogwash that we don't have an event in the U.S., and I guess that's our own fault, you know? No one over here is... Well, well the final's in the U.S. Yeah, but that but doesn't... I, I that's know, not that's an event. mandatory. Yeah. I hear you. I, you know, it's it's t- kind of tied into Vegas. And speaking of Vegas, we're going to be talking to Bruce uh, in a few days and get the lowdown on what's happening with Vegas. There's a few changes, I guess, this year. Yeah, so, there's something. I don't know. Some stuff going on with the shoot down and the way it's going to be. Some type of 10000 bucks a day. Yep. So we'll, we'll get all that from Bruce uh, uh, for the next podcast. We'll uh, we'll have a chat with him and uh, and get the lowdown. If you haven't registered for Vegas yet, um, they are expecting a record turnout. I have. I and, have registered. Well, that was to the that statement was to the listeners. As we much assume as to, we're going to have listeners. Well, we're going to have one. <laughs> Who? Jay, because he's got to do the quality control on the uh, upload. Well, maybe he won't actually do that. Maybe he'll just say he did. You have a good point. <laughs> Speaking of uh, attendance, you know, Vegas had a record last year. They had thirty seven hundred sixty seven attendees. I think we'll let's just hit four thousand. That's what I'm talking it. about. I think Bruce could absolutely accommodate 4,300 is the theoretical number I've heard. So 4,000 should absolutely be doable. Well, it blows my mind to think that what are we going to do if we have to go somewhere bigger? Where are we going to go? Well, I think you're going to have to do one of two things. You're going to have to raise the cost of entry Mm -hmm. or you're going to have to figure out a way to, I mean, what do the Kings do? The kings of archery. We talked about that. In, Hurry up and register. Right? I mean, you know, I mean. I mean, I guess you'd send out like a pre-registration for anyone who shot the year before. If you shot the year before, you, you get, get a, you, you get, get a, a window. At it. You get a window. And then maybe you have a lottery or something like that for people who've applied for it, but, you know, didn't get a slot. Yeah, but they'd still have to keep. That's. Oof. I'm sure they'd want to keep some slots open for pro class. Let's just be honest. You don't want, you know, say a Mike Schlosser forgets to register. You want Mike there. He's part of the show. You got to get him in. Yeah, you could have a waiver. So you keep some people, you keep some slots open. That would be wise. But it would also be wise to register early yeah. and often, as they say. Yeah. Every tournament does that, though. They keep they keep some room. Sure. Because, as you say, it's part of the show. It's become part of the show. an expectation. I mean, it goes back. I also think that the reigning world champion should automatically qualify for the next world championships. By the way, uh, I owe you an apology. 
Oh, you were right about Rio Wild back in 2012 being on that. Being number one, it was uh, Rio, Braden, Galantine, and Roger Willett Jr. with the three compound men from one country in the top five. That's what it is. But who was number one? It was Rio. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it was Rio. So 2012. My bad. <sighs> but uh, yeah, that um, 2012 would have been the year that Roger did really good. I think. Yeah. We are uh, looking at three archers in the number one spots right now, as we mentioned earlier. We got Brady Ellison, Braden Galantine, and Alexis Ruiz, and uh, Kang Che Young. Um, all four of them are new names on that list compared to the same list from last year. Uh, there were other people on that list last year. So. Yeah. And I, I was actually right about that factor, that aspect of it, because it was Roger and Brady and, and Erica, you know, that were the number ones by the time 2011 finished up. Right. But um, the other factor of Rio Wild being ranked up there, you were right. So anyway, we've got uh, a couple more things to talk about before we, before we grant mercy to the listeners by wrapping up today. And one of those things is... Um, it's been a while since we've opened up our Facebook for questions. Yeah. And predictably, because we haven't asked too many times for questions, we got a bunch this time. So I'm going to pick and choose a few of these. And if you don't get your question answered, we'll try to post up on Facebook, Easton Archery, Easton Target Archery Facebook page, which is uh, Easton Target Archery on Facebook. That's what it is. That's what they call it. As opposed to what it used to be called. Yeah. Which was Eastern Archery Target. Yeah, like as if we had an archery target. Which, yeah, kind of technically we do, but that's another company. Yeah. Anyway. It would be weird if it was Delta McKenzie Target Archery. So I'm going to follow the analytics for the podcast. I'm going to look carefully for the analytics to see how many people tune out as we start answering these questions. How many minutes in are we? We're about, I believe, yes, 20, 22 minutes in. No edits, no pauses, nothing. Not so, well, there have been plenty of pauses and lots of stuff that should be edited, but, you know, yeah. that's just the way the show is. And if, you know, if somebody doesn't know that, I'm cheerful to give them a refund. It's like uh, Jim Rome. Oh, yeah. He does like a three-hour show or four-hour show, but he really only, he only talks for like 30 minutes there. He yeah. does a lot of like Brady Ellison. Man, that guy's shooting good. Yeah. Jim Rome does that. Bet you everyone else wishes they were as good. Pause. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of that. But he's supposed to. I like him. I, I like Joe Rogan, right? I mean. I listen to a little bit of Rogan. So I, I listen to Rogan, especially on the stuff that has anything to do with archery. You know, when he's talking to somebody like Dudley or he's talking to somebody like Never Cam Haynes. Never listen to one about archery. So, yeah, he, he, he does a great one with, with Cam Haynes once in a while. I listen to the conspiracy theory ones. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's good with that stuff. Yeah. But I, except the Alex Jones one. <laughs> that, that one was, that was, that was the so Interdimensional aliens. <laughs> that one was the best. The man interrupts himself. He interrupts everybody, but he interrupts himself on top of interrupting everybody. It's yeah. amazing. It's incredible. <laughs> anyway. All right. Listener queries. Yeah. Andre Pounds is asking a good one. Um, Andre Pounds. Andre. Andre Pounds. From Texas, then moved to Idaho. I knew him there. Then he moved back to Texas. You know, that would be a good name for a good shooter. 
Andre pounds. pounds. <laughs> he's got pounds, yeah. <laughs> I bet he's heard that before. All right, so uh, he's switching to Easton this year, he says, as if there's anything else to shoot. I mean. And he's about to order some X-27s, and he's curious about knocks for his X-27s, trying to figure out which knock has the shortest ears and will fit fairly loose on Halo 014 center serving, which doesn't tell us the diameter of his string, but okay, we'll figure it out. Should you know, be good with, uh, if you want short ears, should be good with the micro lights on serving that small. Yeah, the micro lights are pretty great knock for, for compound, you know, and underrated because pretty much haven't been marketed that way. They've been marketed yeah. as a hunting one, but a lot of colors got added a couple of years ago. Uh, I killed them recently. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll bet there's still some out there, though. Oh, yeah, they're going to be out there for years, but yeah. So anyway, um, we had like we had like uh, we had blaze and then we had red and they were virtually indistinguishable. You know, we had this just mess of parts. But anyway, yeah, pretty good compound knock. So that's your first answer. Second, uh, perhaps would be a biter. A biter. I'm still a fan of the Super 3D. Yeah, but, but that's got long I, uh, ears and he's saying short ears. So I do hope someday to have one that's right smack in the middle of them. Hmm. A modern S knock. Well, I I think that could be done. There's a lot of things could be done. <laughs> so next one uh, comes from Rick Herbs or Herbs. If it's a given name, you know, if it's a proper name, do you suppose it's Herbs or Herbs? It's spelled Herbs. H e r b s. I'm going to say it's Herbs. Maybe the H and the E are silent, and it's just birds. Herbs. <laughs> anyway, Rick wants Maybe to know. Maybe the B is silent. Hers. Rick wants to know if we played with the RX-7 with a compound bow. Let's explain what the RX-7 is for people who don't know. RX-7 is a an arrow that was really designed for recurve. It has a uh, maximum diameter front for its given spine value, and it has a reduced rear, so it's essentially a tapered aluminum arrow. Given the weaker tail section, making it a little easier to tune out of a recurve. Or a lighter compound bow, presumably. Yes. But, you know, the reality is this, Rick. Um, I personally have not played with an RX-7 out of compound. You have some experience with this, right? Yeah, Linda's shooting them right now, actually. Well, that speaks for itself. Yeah, she used to shoot a 2315 with a 200 grain point. Now she's shooting the RX-7 23, which is a 2315, then reduced. And uh, she's using a 160 grain point with that. A lot is, more speed, which she's had many a time where she shoots one goes, oh, no. And then it only to find it's still in the X. Which is exactly what that arrow was designed for. It was designed to allow you to get away with a either lighter point or correct length. Yep. And have it spine correctly. Yep. So the answer is, uh, Rick, it, it'll work. Give it a run. I like this question from Andy uh, McDonald in Australia. Uh, Andy's asking, since the Industrial Revolution, archery has made great advances in accuracy. What do you think are the top three developments in the improvement of accuracy in order of importance and why? I have an answer, but I want to hear what you have to say. Number one, mechanical release aid. Okay. I'm going to say number one is the aluminum arrow. Mm. When you consider what wood arrows were like back in the day. So here's how we would broach that comparison. If you gave, let's say, who was who was the guy when uh, aluminum arrows came out? Who Larry was, Hughes, let's say, or uh, like uh, the recurver. Who was the top recurver? Larry Hughes. Larry Hughes. Who's the other one? I'm trying to think of the name. You're thinking of Howard Hill, maybe? No, no, no. After and it was a while after aluminum arrows. So you're thinking of Daryl Pace? Daryl Pace. Okay. 
He's a two-time, right? Two-time, two-time Olympic gold medalist, yeah. the only one there is. So let's say he was the one who was winning by like a thousand points, right? Uh-huh. Well, yeah, a hundred. Yeah. So let's take Daryl Pace. All right, no, no, no. Let's take Butch Johnson because he he shot him. He shot both. Remember, Butch could shoot all three disciplines. He could shoot compound fingers, compound release, and recurve. So let's take Butch with at the highest level compound release and wood arrows or butch with compound fingers and aluminum arrows who do you think wins butch with compound fingers and aluminum arrows because he's cleaned it with fingers huh all right yeah probably aluminum arrows but i hear your point and mm-hmm. and by the way there are three things on this list so i didn't i didn't name all three if I wanted to name the list, if I wanted to name all three, release aid is second on my list. And then? Compound bow. Yeah. Hard to argue that. Because of the factors involved in the holding weight of the compound bow. Speed. Yep. I mean. All of that. Just Energy storage. This, everyone scores. Are but I, I, I genuinely believe that the biggest innovation in archery, for accuracy specifically, was Doug Easton's creation of the aluminum arrow. Because it eliminated the variation from arrow to arrow, which was one of the biggest factors that yeah. people had to contend with. Gave better accuracy to all shooters. Right. So Fingers, release, whatever. Yeah. So uh, I agree with you, right? I'm telling you that you're right, that the, the all three of these are more or less interchangeable, but the aluminum arrow, in my mind, is the base of accuracy for... And of course, you know, it's hard to make a carbon arrow as accurate as an aluminum arrow. Yeah. Right? So. Hmm. Yeah. All right. We can get behind that. The right. arrow, the release, the bow. Yep. The the modern arrow, the release, the modern release, because release has been around forever, by the way, and the compound bow. So uh, let's see here. We've got uh, Ryan Johnson wants to know, does Steve want to come elk hunting in Colorado with James Barkheimer and I? Sure. Uh-huh. Okay. Sounds like a plan. Uh, Mike Andrew is asking us uh, if paper tuning a recurve is possible or useful and uh, to put a bow on it. Uh-huh. What do you think is the most effective method for recurve tuning? So, Mike, the answer is yes, you can paper tune a recurve. It is possible. can be useful if you don't have much distance to work with. I still feel that bear shaft plane testing at longer distance is the way to go. And by longer distance, I mean 25, 30 meters. You have nothing to say? I, I don't even shoot a recurve. Okay, fair enough. We've got... Um, we've got Robert asking this question. Uh, and he says he may be the only one, but he does love the podcast. So thank you, Robert. We can presume that Robert's listening. Maybe nobody else at this point. But can you please discuss what you think would be the best arrow configuration for a compound woman slash youth archer with a 26-inch draw length and 50 pounds of draw weight for the Vegas shoot? Hmm. I would try the RX-7. Yes, with a lighter point. Yeah, 140, 160. And maybe a little extra length out the front. Yeah. Uh, I think we have Linda's cut, 29 inches. Right. She's 26 and three-quarter inch draw. You know, I didn't know that. I uh, I always thought she'd be a little like a 28-inch draw. Nope. She looks like she'd be longer draw. But uh, anyway, Robert, there's your 
There's your quick answer. An RX-7 with uh, 150, 160 grains up front. Uh, Rod Menzer makes a point like that? Yeah. Yeah. And um, Yeah, the pro points. Yeah. The 23 size and run them to 20, what, 9, That's where I'd start. You can always cut it shorter if exactly. necessary. Exactly. It's really hard to add it back on, but mm-hmm. I'd cut it shorter is, is what I would do. I'm looking ahead to Russ Sharman's question. Russ is from my home club, Nampa Boat Chiefs. All righty. I'll let you handle that one. <clears throat> I'm going to skip ahead to the end of his question. He says, I'm poor and unemployed, so I need a reasonable choice. He's asking about arrows. Right. Russ just got back from like three weeks touring Italy. That's why he's poor. He spent all his money in Italy. Can you blame him? And he's unemployed because he's retired. He picked one of the best places to spend your money. Yeah, I think he bought like the Tower of Pisa or something. He just bought the whole thing. Sounds like a stable investment. (laughs) That was good. Underrated joke. Uh, Russ asks, trying my hand at string walking a recurve bow. So I assume bear bow. Yeah, sounds like it. 28 to 30 pounds, 28 inch draw length, indoor target arrows currently using a very starter arrow with 1000 spine. Hmm. I mean, if you still need something around 1000 spine, I would look. And you, and you want something uh, less expensive, I'd look at Carbon 1s probably. Uh-huh. I would look at a Carbon 1. I would, I would point out though, as far as giving a recommendation, you know, there's a little bit of voodoo involved here. And also, he mentions he's shooting both NFAA rules, uh, which I don't know if they allow you to get that top finger up and down the string. I don't know anything about it. So, based on the way he's asking this question, which is Vegas and NFAA and Reading Field, Mm -hmm. I think NFAA rules apply. And if so, I think you're looking at a situation where you can't string walk. No string walking. I think I'm totally pulling this out of thin air, but I think I'm right. I don't know. Anyway. That would really only be for Redding. Here's the answer the to the question. The, the answer to the question is carbon one. Carbon one is the, it's the, it's the, you know, people ask what sports car to get. The answer is always, you know, if you don't know, the answer is a Miata. <laughs> I have a couple of friends who are car guys who do a podcast on on a, actually, they're on Amazon now. They're on Amazon Prime with their their TV show, and and they always answer that. Whenever they get a question, you know, and and the, clearly the person asking the question doesn't know much about sports cars, but says, "What sports car should I get?" The answer is always a Miata. <laughs> I I think that the Carbon yeah. One is sort of the the Mazda Miata. Huh. Well, I won't say what I was going to say about Miatas. Anymore. I know. Don't say what you're um, thinking because that thought is not universal outside the United States. People really respect Miatas, so. Yeah, the uh, the carbon one is good all purpose outdoor or indoor recurve. Right, there's a lot of. I mean, nothing wrong with the carbon one. Right, nothing really good arrow. So the one thing people don't understand about the way the carbon one is built is its spine consistency. Super consistent. Uses the same advanced uh, technology that Easton introduced this year for the new six point fives. Very and has stuff. used it for a long time. Really, really super consistent. You know, I always get the question, how should I figure out the, the, the weak spine side of my arrow? Or how do I index my arrow? And my answer, you know, a little bit, a little bit arrogantly maybe, but my answer is, why would you shoot an arrow that needs that? Yeah, we've, uh, I mean, you could, you could argue that to the finest level, you could find the stiff side of an arrow. You yeah, know. sure. I mean, you know, anything's possible. There's a yeah. guy who says that's very, he, he claimed, I 
I listen. I'm listening to what this guy's saying. I'm. I'm. He's going. Oh, this is very critical. Well, not very critical, but he said this. This is if you're trying to take every step. You know, maybe you look for that. And I'm like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, he's just saying this. The plane it's going to bend in. I'm like, well, I could also just turn the knock and probably find that plane. You know. Sure. That's why I fletch them all the same color. Did you uh, follow the? <clears throat> long thread on social media about which way an arrow twists as it leaves the string. Uh, which there's been thousands there's been, of those. There were, there were, there were discussions. If that social media had existed 30 years ago, the same thing would have come up back then because people were debating it in my old archery club in New York 35 years ago. Mm-hmm. The same exact questions, <clears throat> the same exact arguments, the same exact, well, do you fletch this way or that way? Cause it's going to do this or it's going to do that. Do you think people can hear that train? Oh yeah. Yeah. We're just, Doing a podcast down by the docks. Yeah. <laughs> uh, my string builder, I think, put the nail in the coffin on that thread. He says it's all about the serving, which the serving direction is dictated by the string twist direction. So ultimately, your string twist dictates which direction the arrow will spin. Because it sets up the knock for a certain amount of friction as it departs. I guess. I don't know the science. Well, you know, the point is that it's not... There's nobody, I'm sorry to put the, I, I, I'll just say it. There's nobody good enough to, for that to make a difference. Just get it spinning, whatever, fletch it however you want. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because at the end of the day, you know, there's not that much inertia involved here. It's going to overcome whatever. Everyone goes, oh, I want to start it. I want to spin it the way it wants its natural rotation. If, if a right hand twist string generally spins the arrow to the left, which is what it does, uh, you know, Real Wild told me, he goes, oh, I always fletch right-hand helical. So he's, since most everybody shoots right-hand twist strings, he was fletching against it, and uh, he had plenty of success doing so. So mm-hmm. I fletch left just because it gets me the clearance, and I wouldn't give a crap if the arrow spun to the right naturally. No, but I will take clearance over worrying about which way the thing spins for yeah. sure. Yep. Yeah, that was... Uh, you know what? I'm taking it back. The arrow twist discussion was my archery moment of the decade. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. You're thinking of the twirling. Nope. <clears throat> Just which way does an arrow spin? That was not it. the twirling. Twirling. Twirling no. coming out of the quiver is not more you significant. Can't, you can't say that it's a moment of the decade because it really hasn't been a moment yet. It's about to be. And you know what? Yesterday, we are we not recording? Yeah, we're recording. Yesterday, I pulled an arrow out of my quiver, twirled it, twirled it so hard, and I and I also dropped my bow at the same time. <laughs> so I went to catch my bow, which I did, and I twirled the arrow into the wall. So I get the rule now. Was this right? at home? Yep. Someone could have died. I would pay money for the video of that. <laughs> Caught the bow though. Well, that's that's good. Yeah, I didn't yet have my sling on. I was gonna load an arrow, then put my sling on, you know, then go to work. You know, it looks like something's missing from the wall here in Jim Easton's office. Someone has taken something. I think somebody bogarted something off the wall. What if it was Greg? Oh, it could have been Greg borrowed something off the wall. Yeah, he's probably entitled to that. Well, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so moment of the decade for me. I'm changing it. Actually, Can't. I didn't name a moment of the decade, did I? 
you know what we were talking about mine but you didn't tell me yours so yeah let's hear yours Mm. please tell me it's not what we just brought up no i'm gonna go with uh golly moment of the decade probably uh i don't know i don't have one i can't pick one i wasn't in archery the whole decade true I actually technically was, but when did you meet Linda? Uh, 2013 at an archery event world games. Yeah. I'm going to suggest to you that that would be a good one for you to pick. Well, it's personal moment of the decade. Okay. But non-personal moment of the decade in archery, in my opinion. Um, Hmm. Rio games. I mean, yeah, no. Were the Rio games that cool? No. I, I could say the culmination of Brady's season in 2019. I won't argue that. Just putting the whole thing together the was comeback. the archery moment of the decade. I, th- I don't think we're giving enough credit for the fact that it was really, truly a comeback. Truly. He was the MVP and comeback player of the year. I mean, he was seriously injured. I mean, you know. His fingers fell off. Yeah. and Essentially. And, yeah. And he was in, you know, pain all the time. Pain. And he came back from that. And now he's dominating. Pain's a weird thing. Pain is a difficult like thing. Like how it just hurts, but you're like, why? I don't get it. Well, you know, you know, you'd like your mind to overcome certain kinds of pain, but some stuff like nerve pain, like you know what Brady's, mm-hmm. what Brady was dealing with, and you know, I'll just say I can relate. Yeah. You know, um, that is really hard to overcome because your your body will not work. You know, you can want to do something and you can't do it, and it makes it very difficult. I'm giving it to Brady then. Culmination of the 2019 season, moment of the decade. I think that we have a consensus here. Hmm. All I right. Would, I would tend to, you know what? Consensus. Do we have any more queries from the listeners? Nothing that we really want to get into. <laughs> what about uh, what about the one from, didn't you say there's one from Jeff Jenkins? Oh, yeah, it wasn't there. Hang on a second. Let's find that. Oh, here it is. Thank you for reminding Jeff me. Jeff Jenkins, I know, listens. He's a reliable <laughs> listener. So he is one of two now. So he's asked a very good question, and that is, are there going to be some super awesome Easton pins available during the Vegas shoot like in years past? Some 100th anniversary pin or something sweet like that? We the people demand answers from our duly elected <laughs> Easton overlords. They demand the free pins. Um, There's going to be two pins available at the Vegas shoot. Really? There is. One of them is going to be a 2020 Tokyo commemorative pin. Okay. And a very limited number of those will be at the Easton booth. I know that pin. I have that pin. And the second pin, there will be a pin that will be given from the Easton booth to anybody that cleans a target, shoots a 300. Really? Uh, That's what Gary told me. No more stamp? We're going to stamp. Gary told me there will be a pin as well. I like the pin. I like the pin because I think people put them on their quiver. It's a badge of honor. Hmm. I haven't seen the pin, but I uh, hope I shoot a 300. Uh, or three of them. Yeah. We should do a nine. Well, no. There would only be a dozen <laughs> 900 pins. Yeah, you know what it would cost to make those? You might as well do the belt expensive. buckle like some bow companies do. Yeah, the belt buckle. I uh, I floated the idea of taking people's 900 arrow, putting it on a plaque, giving it back to them the next year at Vegas. But That's not a bad thing, but you'd have to do about 20 plaques some some years. Yeah. Yeah. You figure, you figure a dozen to... 15 i don't know it would just be the problem would be you'd have people who would want like oh 
could do this one from 2012 and be like no <laughs> you know as far as the company anniversary goes that's coming up in uh, in another two years they're going to be yeah we're at 90, 98 this year right so there won't be a 98th year pin Jeff but uh, there will be a special pin to commemorate the Tokyo 2020 games and again that'll be available at the Easton booth at the Vegas shoot you're going to be in Neem yeah Might, maybe you'll take some of those to Neem probably and then uh, the 300 pin for the Vegas shoot in particular. When, uh, I mean, just thinking about it, like you can't just come in with a hundred years, like, you know, at the hundredth year, you got to start the hundred year countdown the year prior. Yeah. Well, you know, our past couple of uh, podcasts uh, were abbreviated, yeah. were, were sort of punctuated by a special history podcast uh, yeah. series that we put together. And um, by we, we mean you. The royal we. And yes, <laughs> and um, you know we're gonna we're gonna be exploring that further uh, with another podcast that I'd like to do with you as we as we get closer. So that's the plan as it stands right now. We should make a commemorative arrow, a twenty twenty two aluminum, a size twenty twenty two, size twenty twenty two. So basically, a big Genesis arrow giant super stiff genesis arrow like i could hunt with that wouldn't that be a fishing arrow practically no that's more like a 2040 we made a 2040 right tell us about that how much did it weigh a lot do you remember the grains per inch it had no to be like grains per inch would be 20s yeah yeah i mean let's, 22 probably yeah because you can figure 22 or 23 grains per inch something like you that. you remember the diameter was it like a 20 20 was 20 i thought it was like a 22 22 or, now that you think about it, I'm thinking it was a 21. So a 21, 12, that weighs like what? Like nine grains an inch or something? Yeah, approximately 9.5, something like so that. So you add a bunch. Of, yeah, you got to be close to 20 grains. Yeah. I mean, you're not adding a full double. 17, but you know, there was grains. special stuff done for people like Chuck Adams and, and going back to Howard Hill, you know, I mean, for specific purposes. Mm-hmm. In fact, special arrows were made for the lighting of the Olympic torch in Barcelona at the Olympic Games, you know, made some extra length Barcelona arrows. Thousands I'm looking of looking at one right now. You're looking at one right now with the, hmm. it's funny, you know, every once in a while on social media, you'll see somebody, you know, complaining that they tried to make some flaming arrows, but they couldn't get it to work. And they came up with some chemical compounds and stuff. And it's like, obviously this doesn't work, you know, out of a modern bow, you need to use like an old fashioned, you know, British war bow or whatever to keep the speed below a certain speed. And it's like, no, you just need to design it with an actual windshield, <laughs> like the Barcelona the arrow torch. that I'm looking at right there. Yeah. And, and, and use the right design. And you have a, you have an arrow capable of performing in front of 2 billion people. Yikes. Live. Yeah. I will, I will say that, uh, as far as, moment of the century last century <laughs> that might be one of them i was gonna say your archery moment of the decade 1991 through yeah. 2000 had yeah. to be antonio raboyo lighting yeah. the olympic torch i'm not going to yep. deny that now if we're talking moment of the, i guess it would have been 1990 through end of 1999 right yeah huh all right well you think everyone's quit listening by now i sure hope so God, i've I, at this point, you and I are just kind of talking. I don't have anything more to really say about the archery. Yeah. You got ATA show coming up, right? Oh, 
Thanks for the reminder.